Good morning again, brothers and sisters and dear friends. And again, I want to thank you for welcoming me to into your house and to bring the word of God to you today. And we are living truly in troubled times, as you know, and as you see on your news, as we look at the coronavirus and how the numbers is going up every day, all over the world it's happening. If we look at the concerning number of the suicides that happens due to mental illness and what's happening with people being isolated, we hear of people losing their jobs, we hear of businesses closing down, some of them never to open up again. And there's a lot of uncertainty going on. And this is not new. As you know that I've been talking to you about this for the last few months now. Who would have thought that we will be talking about months now being locked down or being isolated? It's not days anymore. It's not weeks. It's months now. And all of these things bring trouble upon the human heart. We hear people speak about this. We see what's going on in other countries. And we see what's going on in our very own country. And surely that brings uncertainty to a lot of people. And right through this time, brother and sister, I've been preaching for us to hold on to our faith. Hold on to God. Now more than ever, our faith is tested. And it brings troubled minds. And it brings anxiety upon people. I want to start today by giving you a scripture verse. It's a beautiful verse that Jesus gave his disciples. Now, similar to us being into a troubled mindset, his disciples was going into a troubled mindset when he started preparing them that he was going to leave them. He was going to die. And trouble came upon them. It's in the midst of that that Jesus reaches out to them with these very comforting words that we find in John chapter 14 and in verse 27. Now, if I, if I use the word troubled, what is the opposite of troubled? Obviously, it is peace. And this is what our Lord Jesus talks about. He says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. So this is so wonderful that when he went away from his disciples, the very ones that he loved so dearly, that he turns to them and he says, Peace I leave with you. This shalom peace that is with them is a peace that will surpass us all understanding. He says to them, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, I give to you my peace. You see, the world is crying out about peace. Their peace is normally associated with personal stance in society, material uh, um, riches, um, with all of those kind of things. But his peace is different than the peace that the world can give. And he makes a distinction between these two pieces. He says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. There it is. Jesus says to you and to me today, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, this is the thing that when your heart is troubled, it brings upon you fear, and fear destroys faith. And once your faith is destroyed, the peace is gone. And this is why our Lord says to us this morning, Please hold on to the peace that he's, he's been giving us. So I, I just thought before we go back into our study in the book of Mark to give you this, this word from the Lord this morning. Now, it's not a word that, I, that he dropped into my mind. I read the Bible during this week, and this is one of the verses that I read. And it gave me that peace, the peace of understanding that he is in control and that he loves you and me so much that he gave us his peace. And that is so wonderful. Now I want to continue where we left off last week. As you know, we are reading through the book of Mark. We are walking with Jesus through the book of Mark. And last week we came to a passage where he addressed um, the unforget or the forgetfulness of these men. You remember when he walked and he saw the 4,000 people that he asked them, he said he had compassion on them, and he wanted to give them food, 
but the disciples again were so forgetful that they forgot that he could provide to them and they asked him the question they said where can we get any food in this desolate place and he miraculously fed the 4,000. It is so wonderful and that we saw and I spoke to you about the altars of remembrance. Those are the things that God did in your life, in your journey, in your pilgrim way that you walked with him. That when you come to a time, especially like now, that you, your faith is tested and your heart becomes troubled, that you can look back and you could say, surely if Jesus is with me there, he's with me there, he will be with me today. And we look at that last week and we remember when the Pharisees came to him and they said to him, give us a sign from heaven. Most probably they wanted him to, to call fire from heaven. Uh, similar to what happened in the Old Testament. But Jesus walked away, got in the boat and they set ashore. They went away from the shore. So, so this is where we find them. And, and never forget that we are looking at Jesus, who he is and why he came. And Mark explains to us that he is the servant savior. Now, whenever we read through the Bible and today's passage as well, you know, we can look at it just as an academic value and, and learn and say, yes, we've done that passage. But I want you to go much deeper today. I want you to ask the question to the Holy Spirit today. What do you want to teach me personally out of the sermon today? I want you to reach out to God and say, Father, speak to me today. Because I believe, dear friend, that he's got a message for you and for me in the passage today. So the theme today or the topic today is going to be, how is it you do not understand? That's a question. It's a question that Jesus is going to ask his disciples. How is it that you do not understand? And I want to ask you the same question this morning. As we are going to be tested today through the sermon. I believe the Holy Spirit will come to you during the sermon and come to me. And he will ask the same question. How is it that you do not understand? So let's pick up the narrative as we follow Jesus. As he's going away now from these Pharisees, they ask him the question. He got on a boat and then they set into the sea and they start going on their journey. Now in Mark chapter 8 verse 14, we read about this. He says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They totally forgot to take bread on this journey. And one might ask the question, how could they forget that all of these extra baskets that they had, which was left over from feeding the 4,000, how can they forget? These, these are seasoned sailors. They know that when you go into the water, you take provisions with you. But here they've forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them on the boat. Now, just, just pause there for a minute. You know, when I started reading it, I thought, why would that be so important to them? That's what I thought at that particular time. Because with them in the boat is the miracle maker. He's with them. Surely that wouldn't have been a point that come to the front of mind when they see him for who he is. Jesus, the son of man, the son of God is with them on the boat. And let me just say by the start of the sermon, dear friend, that when you've got Jesus on your boat in your life, that's the best place you can be. But these men forgot and they've only had one loaf with them on the boat. And then in verse 15, he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, I want to pause there for a minute because I want to talk about this leaven he's talking about. Jesus is not talking about forgetting the bread at this point in time. He turns to them and he, he says to them, take heed. And the word here means to be watchful. Be awake. Do not let anything surprise you. And, and it is so to be aware of what's going on, to look intentively, 
Now, the question might be to look for what Jesus, and he qualifies that here. He says, take heed, be attentive, be on the lookout for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So what does it mean? Uh, we will unpack that in a minute. But here we see they reasoned amongst themselves and they say, is it because we have no bread that he said this? Uh, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Why do you reason amongst each other? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? So just before we go too fast over this, just slow down and think what's happening here. They got onto the boat. They worried about the bread that they had to take with them. There's not enough food for all of them. And while they are maybe talking and, and softly whispering about this, Jesus says to them, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And then that catches them totally off guard. And they wonder if it is maybe because they've forgotten the bread that he says these things. And then Jesus, because he saw what's going on in their hearts, he turns to them and he says, do you not understand what's going on here? Are you only looking at the physical things? Can't you see the spiritual side of what's happening? You've been walking with me all this time. Now, I'm by far not trying to put words in Jesus' mouth, but I want, you to, I want to paint to you that situation that's going on around them. And then he says to them, having eyes you cannot see, having ears you cannot hear, and do you not remember? You worry about bread for us. Do you not remember what's happened? There's so many things that they could have remembered. They could have remembered the 5,000. You know, I, I want to say respectfully, duh, you know, 5,000, 4,000, how many is on the boat? Surely, if he supplied for 5,000, for 4,000, he made a deaf man to hear, had mute to speak. Surely, that is not the thing that you need to worry about. But you see, Dear friends, and it happens to all of us. We look around us and we see the troubles of the world and we start worrying what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. Those are the things that really occupy our minds as it occupied their minds. So we also often forget. We also often look into the physical things and forget what's happening in the spiritual he says to them, you have eyes, but you do not see. You see me, you see what I do, but you can't really see the message. You've got ears and you do not hear. Now this comes from Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 1. And I want you to follow with me in the Old Testament now. In Ezekiel chapter 12 verse 1, the prophet says to the people, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious people. Make a mental note there. Make a mental note. Rebellious people. You live amongst them, uh, prophet. You live amongst them, Ezekiel. Which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but they do not hear. For they are a rebellious house. So this is the problem right here. Jesus said the same words to the disciples. The same words that the Lord spoke to Ezekiel to the nation. And why did God speak to Ezekiel to say that to the people? Because they were rebellious. They were rebels. And what is a rebel? A rebel goes against the laws. We see it all over happening in the world right now. They have got rebellious hearts. They do not want to submit to God. So the prophet comes to them and say, you are rebellious. You are living amongst rebellious people. They see but cannot see. They hear but they cannot hear. And let it be known the lesson here from this passage is you can't see the things of God through a rebellious heart. You just can't. 
So there's got to come a time that you have to come to the cross and you have to bow to Jesus Christ, submit your heart to Him and for Him to break down your rebellious heart to start to see the things of God, to start to hear the things of God. So often people come to me and they say, I can't understand that nonsense that you are talking about. I can't see what you see. And one of the questions then should be, where is that coming from? Is it from a sincere, godly heart or is it from a rebellious heart? Here the prophet says, he's, uh, God speaks to the prophet, he says that you are living amongst these people and they cannot see and they cannot hear. The same words that Jesus used for these disciples. The same words. Now we follow it a little bit further on. Because we will see now that in the Old Testament, he will say that it is foolish people who's got rebellious hearts. Foolish people. Let's see in Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 21. He says, hear this now. This is the prophet now speaking uh, in verse 21. Hear this now, O foolish people. Jeremiah, the prophet, stands up in front of all of the people and he, he heralds, he calls out this word to them. He says, he says, hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding, who have eyes and see not, who have ears and they hear not. So we find Isaiah, another prophet in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 6. We find him where the presence of the Lord comes into the temple and Isaiah falls down and he starts repenting. He says, I live amongst people who's got lips, uh, um, not, uh, you know, good lips. Um, he says, lying lips. That's the word. He says, I'm living amongst people. And, and he repents before God and the, the angel comes and touches his lips with coal. And this is what happens. He says to them, he says, who shall I send in that passage? Isaiah chapter six, uh, the Lord, the God says to him, whom shall I send? He says, here am I, send me. And what is the first message that God tells him to go and tell the people to you and me and to the nation? The first message is the people has got ears to hear, but they do not hear. They've got eyes to see, but they cannot see because they've got dull hearts, rebellious hearts. The very same words that Jesus says to these people in Mark chapter 8 verse 18. Having eyes you do not see, having ears you do not hear, and you do not remember. So we've got to take a pause here and, and now ask ourselves the question is, Lord, I'm asking you to search my heart. Is that maybe me today? Have I maybe got eyes that I cannot see and ears I cannot hear? Or is it maybe me who is so forgetful that I forgot the things that you've done for me? So these are serious things that these men are with him. Now we can sit here and say we can't see Jesus. These men were with him. They saw him. Now he says in verse 19, if we continue the narrative, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets, baskets or full fragments did you take up? And they said to him, seven. Now, this is directly to what he says to them before. He says, do you not remember? And now he's sort of ringing the bell of memory for them. He goes, do you not remember this? 5,000, how many baskets did you take up? 4,000, how many baskets? And they said, seven. So he said to them, and here is the theme of your message today. How is it you do not understand? How is it that you do not understand? You see, friend, dear brother and sister, people hear, but they do not understand. They see, but they do not understand. And if we sit here and we think that we are better than the disciples, I've got news for you, because we Understand a lot of things still not. And this is why the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to help us. Now I want to read the same passage for you just in the book of Matthew. 
where it's the similar passage in Matthew, just to draw out some more detail out of the passage. Listen to Matthew chapter 16 verse 5, the same passage just now out of the eyes of Matthew and out of the mouth and the hand of Matthew. He says, now when the disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now remember, Mark said, beware, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Here, Jesus or Matthew recalls it by writing back to us, he says, the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. We will cover that in a minute. And they reasoned amongst themselves saying, is it because we have taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith. Now, Mark didn't recall that. Peter didn't tell Mark to write that down. But Matthew recalled that. Matthew heard him saying to them, You of little faith. And what did he say? Why do you reason amongst yourself because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand? Or remember the five loaves and the 5,000, how many baskets you took up. Do you not understand? The emphasis today is on the understanding. Do not get sidetracked too much with the leaven. We're going to talk about that. But it is about the understanding. And then he says in verse 10, Nor the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand? There is your theme again. That I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood. Now Matthew puts a little bit extra in here, which Mark didn't put in because he's going to continue talking, uh, writing to the Gentiles. But here he says, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The doctrine. You see, Jesus used this as a parable, the bread, to warn them about something much deeper. And that's the doctrine of the Pharisees. So Jesus identifies three lumps of leaven here. Three lumps. The first lump is the Pharisees. He says to them, take heed of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, we need to identify what that is, and we find it in the Bible. Let the Bible, you know, identify it for himself. In Luke chapter 12, verse 1, Jesus said, Beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So what is the leaven of the Pharisees? Hypocrisy. And that is a, that is a major leaven. Now, again, we need to apply this not only to, to them, we need to apply it to our day and age. What is the church about now? You see a lot of hypocrisy going on in the church. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. And then you need to apply it personally to your own life. Do you have hypocrisies going on in your life? That's the leaven he's talking about. That's the danger. The danger of hypocrisy. What is a hypocrite? It is an actor. It is somebody who gets on a stage and he and he plays a role of somebody else who he is not really, who he's not. And this is what the Pharisees did. They were such high religious men and everybody looked up to them. But you see, their religion was external. It didn't touch their hearts. There were no chains of the heart. So they put up this front. And that's the leaven that he's warning us today about. He, he warns us about hypocrisy in church, hypocrisy in life, hypocrisy in your personal life. Beware of that. Take heed of that. Look out for that. Be attentive to that. The hypocrisy. You see, and this is what, what is happening. And then they, they claim to love God. Oh, yes, but they were just religious fakes. They were just puppets. They would stand on the corners and pray these elaborate prayers that people go and say, wow, that must be a man of God. Listen to the prayers he's praying. But it's just fake. And we see how this corruption spreads that they are doing. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, it's very clear to us. Jesus said, 
it like this. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, there's the word, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That's very harsh words. You make him a hypocrite like you. And there's only one place for those hypocrites and that's hell. Twofold over. So we see here that he says that it's like leaven. It spreads the hypocrisy. And then he talks about the second on uh, second one, which I, you know it's three, but I'm going to combine them in two, and you'll see why. He says, "Beware of the leaven of Herod." And then in Matthew he says, "Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees." But you see, these two, you can buy, can combine them as one, because this is the liberal religious sect, liberalism that came into the church, liberalism that came into the Jewish nation. You see, what do you mean by that preacher? Well, this is the political aspect that came in because we know Herod. We know that Herod was, he was controlling by power. He was the tetrarch, you know, he was the one who was ruling by power and by politics. And then you had this, this people within there, the Sadducees, who, who were more worldly and materialist. And they didn't want to lose those things. So they, they combined with Herod. They sort of worked with him in a political sense. But for us, for you and for me, the leaven that comes in is worldliness. They represent worldliness. Whereas the Pharisees, they represented hypocrisy and religious hypocrisy. These people represent worldliness and, and a liberal way of worshiping God. And man, we see a lot of that in our day. We see so much of it, it makes you sick to see that. To your stomach. And this is the, the dangers. Let me just say that politics do not belong in the church. It does not belong there. And the church do not belong in politics. We belong where Jesus wants us to make souls for him. To proclaim the gospel. So there's these two corruptions. And we see how they work out. And Jesus warns against them. Now. It makes it more dangerous when these groups work together, these two groups. And let me say that they didn't like each other. They opposed each other. The Pharisees didn't like the Sadducees and the Herodians. There's another group was called the Herodians. And these groups didn't like each other. But it amazes me that when Jesus came on the scene, how they united with a with one enemy, which was Jesus, to take and get rid of Jesus. And they wanted to do this. You see, when people have freedom, when they have freedom, they want security. And we see it now playing off. You know, look in America right now. People are going around and they're shouting, we want freedom. You know, we want to get rid of the oppressors. You know, the police is oppressing us. We want freedom from the police. We want freedom from the state. We want freedom from the government. And once people get that freedom, then they want security. And when they have security, then they want freedom. And when they have freedom, they want to have security. And when they get security, it's just a circle that's going on and on. It's only democracy that comes and he, he finds a balance between freedom and security. And it's so true that we are just one election away from one having more power than the other. And this is why we see that even democracy, even these um, totalitarian um, governments and so on, they don't work. There's only one government that will work eventually, and that is theocracy. When God is in control, the kingdom of God but these factions back in Jesus' day is the same as today. They were playing for power and the people were the pawns in, the, in, in between and they got injured and hurt. Now Jesus calls all of this leaven and he warns his disciples. He says, be careful of the leaven, which is the Pharisees and which is Herod and the Sadducees. Now why would Jesus use the word leaven? Have you ever thought about that? 
to warn against these people. It's because leaven is a corrupter. And that is what these people do. They corrupt. They are corrupt and they are trying to corrupt. If you are corrupt, you can only do one thing you can corrupt. And this is what leaven is. It's another word for the word yeast that we use in baking. And once you take yeast and you put it into the dough, it makes it rise. You see, it's a bacteria that you, you put into the dough. And once the bacteria lies there, it gives off gas. And the gas started to push out the dough and it makes it to rise. This is what leaven is. It's a bacteria. It is a, it is a, a, a corruptor that goes in. And it's so amazing, dear friend, that if you take yeast and you put it in, it can lay dormant for months until you introduce a little bit of moisture to it. And it just takes a little bit of yeast and a little bit of moisture and it multiplies itself and it forms these gases and these gases which you call fermentation. Once fermentation happens, it makes more gases and it pushes out this dough and the dough expands. And the problem with, with fermentation is it's the first step to rottenness. It makes things rotten. It corrupts it. It breaks it down eventually. And it's the first step to that. The only thing that stops that is extreme heat. This is why when we take bread and the dough has risen up so big, we put it in a pan and what do we do, we do with it? If we're going to leave it, it's just going to keep on multiplying until eventually it rots and you throw it away. But what do we do? We take it, we put it in a pan and we put it into the oven. And we crank up the heat in the oven and what's, what happens? It stops the fermentation. It skills it. This is such a wonderful thing if you want to apply spiritually because one day all that we see around us will be shaken and the fire of God which is the fire of judgment will come and it will stop this corruption once and for all. So this is what leaven does. <clears throat> now leaven is never used in a positive sense in the Bible, never. And leaven is not the gospel. Let me give you an example. I've heard some preachers say, when you open up in your Bible in Matthew chapter 13, you find seven parables. And in verse 33, you find the fourth parable. And this is what the parable says. He says another, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures in the meal till it was all leavened. Now, some preachers go out and they preach and God bless their hearts, but they preach that the leaven here is the gospel and the gospel goes into the world. And they even break it down. I've heard one man say that three messages is the Son, the Father and the Holy Spirit. I don't know where he gets that from, but he says it goes in till it all is leavened. But the problem here is why? Would Jesus use leaven as a corrupter to describe a group of people? And then on the other hand, the Holy Spirit will use that and Jesus himself will use that for good. Why would he want to do that? Why would he want to confuse you and me with that? If leaven is a corrupter, why would the gospel be compared to a corrupter? Could the gospel never corrupts? The gospel is good news. But if I take this parable, which is the fourth parable, I can explain that to you very easily. If you go into the, into the book of Revelation, you find seven churches there. And if you compare each church with each one of the parable, in, in other words, the first parable about the sower and the seed, you compare that with the first church, Ephesus, the seed which is sown is the first love which is lost. It's the word. And if you go to church, uh, parable two, par church two, parable three, church three, and then you come to parable four. And this is the fourth parable in Matthew 13. And it talks about a woman. You see, he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hide. So it's not in the open. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is not there hidden. The gospel is for everybody. It's in the open. But here he uses, he hides this. It's secretive. And it's a woman doing this in the parable. He says he takes it, measure till it was, and then she hides it in the meal, in the dough, until all of it was corrupted. So let's take the fourth parable and we go to Revelation, the fourth church, which is the church of Thyatira. And if you read in the church of Thyatira, the Lord says there's some things they've done well. But then we come down to verse 20 and we compare it now. He says, nevertheless, Tyatira, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel. The fourth parable talks about a woman who takes leaven and she hides it in there. Here he says, I've got it against you that you take that woman, Jezebel. Now, what does she do in Revelation who calls herself a prophetess? So in other words, he's now dabbling into spiritual things. A prophet is somebody who can see something that you can't see. It is somebody who's sent with a message. And these days we've got so many self-proclaimed prophets. Now, he takes this woman and then there's a secret, secret ingredient, which is a prophetess now. And what does this prophetess do to teach and to seduce my servants? In other words, secretly, underneath where nobody can see this, she teaches this leaven. She teaches this corruption and she seduces the servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacred to idols. So leaven is never talked about good in the Bible. It's talked about corruption. Jesus uses it to, to warn the disciples about the leaven, the corruptness of the Pharisees of Herod and the Sadducees. But Paul does the same thing. When Paul writes to the church in Corinthians, in Corinth, in the, in the letter of Corinthians, there is sexual immorality that's going on in the church. And he addresses that and he writes about that. Because you see, this church was now a liberal church. The leaven of liberalism came into the church of Corinth. The leaven of Herod, the leaven of the Sadducees came into that church. And now there was sexual immorality in the church and they did nothing about it. They accepted it. And Paul warns them now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Your glorying is not good. Go and read the first part of that chapter. Your glorying is not good. You, you reckon now that you see the sexual immorality going on in the church, and now you glory in it, that you've got extra freedom. You've got the liberty of God, and this is why you can allow that. He says it's not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? If you're going to allow one sin to come in, <coughs> it's going to make and, and, and leaven the whole, it corrupts the whole lump. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be new lumps, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And now, Paul goes really interesting, a little bit deeper. He goes one level deeper. And this is for your understanding. Hear and listen what I'm saying now. He talks about the leaven that leavens the whole lump. And then he says to them, indeed, Christ is our Passover. He's the new lump. He's the new uh, uh, wine. He's the new, um, um, not religion, he's the new relationship. So you need to get rid of the old dough and get in the new dough, which is not corrupted. There is no corruption in Christ. And then he goes on to your heart now. He turns it back. Let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, <coughs> nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness which sits in a man's heart, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 
sincerity and truth. Now the, the disciples missed a point here. I want to take you back to the boat now. <clears throat> so Jesus speaks to them. He says to them, be aware of the leaven of the Sadducees and of, the, of Herod, the leaven of Herod. And they missed the point here. He dealt with these dangers now. He explained to them the dangers now, which represent sins. And he sees now two barriers of, of belief. And I want you to listen very carefully now and clearly. There's two barriers of belief that we identify in this passage here. First of all, it is the hardness of the heart. And we see that in the Pharisees. We see in the Pharisees when they came and they asked him a sign from heaven, what did he do? He saw the hardness. He said, I'm not going to have that anymore. Your hearts are hardened. And he walked away. So that's the hardness of the Pharisees. And he gave up on them. He walked away. But then there's a second one, my dear brother and sister, and I want to spend a few minutes on that before we pray and we continue in the day. And that is the dual dullness of the heart. So it's the hardness of the heart. And there are still a lot of people in the world who is so hardened in their hearts. They will not hear. They cannot understand because they just don't want to. But there's a second part of it. And that is the dullness of the heart of the disciples. These were the men who was with him in the boat. These are sometimes people who are still in the church, but their hearts is so dull. The dullness of the heart. After being witness. And doers and, and seeing the miracles, they still are deaf and dumb. They still can't understand. They still had to be talked to when Jesus says to him, you've got ears to hear and eyes to see, but you still do not see. And how is it that you do not understand? And I want to suggest to you that it is because of the dullness of their hearts, not the hardness, not the hardness. How is it that you do not understand? And there's a few reasons why, why we do not understand. There's a few reasons. First of all, we do not always care enough to understand. And I think that's a major one. Because, you know, if we care enough to understand, we will go to the ends of the world to understand. We will search to understand. We will, we, will go, we will do a lot of things to find more and to understand. So the first reason for the dullness of the heart is because you just don't care enough. Some people will just come to church just because, you know, that's the thing you do. Just because I fill out a form and when it comes to Christian, yes, I'm a Christian. But I don't care enough to understand fully. I don't care enough to see fully. I don't care enough to hear fully. And at this point in time, I must say, the disciples were in the same boat. They walking with Jesus, but the question is, did they care enough <coughs> to fully understand? Did they care enough to fully see? Or were some of them just following? It's a good question. I can't answer that question. I know only what Jesus has said. I can't answer that question for you. The second reason why people are dull at heart is we do not discover and adopt. We only agree with the things which is matching with our own preconceived ideas. So because we don't care, we don't discover. And if we don't discover, we hear somebody saying something and we go, Yep, you know what, my preconcept ideas, that fits together with that. Yep, that's what I'm going to go with. And man, I see too, too much of that in the world today. People will just read a book and pick up a book and say, well, that makes sense to me. And yep, yeah, that's what I believe in and that's what I'll go with. Or they'll listen to a preacher and they'll go, yeah, that makes sense to my rationale. Yep, I'll go with that. But never take the time for themselves to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just test that. Let's just find out what the Bible really said there. Let's just find out what Jesus wants to say to me. And maybe some people are afraid to do that because it might challenge your preconcept ideas. You see, I've, I believe this is one of the major things that's happening. 
We read books, we listen to preachers, and we take their word as gospel. And we should never do that. We should always go back to the word of God. So that's the second reason why people become dull, because other people will find out for us, and we will listen to what they say. And the third reason is we do not use what we've got, which is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, to enable us to understand. We want other people to think for us and to make up our ideas for us. We don't want to go to the Word because it's too much hard work for some people. And the Holy Spirit to help me in the Word to open up the Word in, in order for me to understand. And all of these lessons comes and applies to us, to our hearts. How is it that you do not understand? Jesus said to these people, to these men, they were walking with him for so long. How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been following Christ? How long, my dear friend, and do you understand? Do you understand because you've picked up a book or you listen to somebody or do you understand because you've listened to the master's voice? You see, the heart of the issue of this passage, and I'm coming to the end here, is not the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod and the Sadducees. Yes, when Jesus spoke to me, he says, take heed of those things. And they didn't understand what I was talking. And then he explained to them about the breads and everything. And But then he turned it to them. He turned it to them. He says, you you forgot, I, I you know, the 4,000, the 5,000, all of these things. And then he says, you've got eyes to see, you've got ears to hear, but you do not hear. So I absolutely believe the heart of the issue that Christ is coming to, and maybe the Holy Spirit to you and me today, is this passage is not about the leaven of the Pharisees or the Herodians. The real issue here is the lack of faith amongst the people of God. That's the lack of faith amongst the disciples in that boat that day. They've got one loaf of bread. And they've got Jesus. Now, I by far say that we do not mock God to put him on a pedestal to every time to do like the Pharisees, show us a sign or to provide. But he's going to provide for you and me because we're his children. We're his children. Pharisees, you know, they are the hardened ones. But the ones who's in the boat, disciples, do not fear. Be at peace because he will provide for you. We see and we hear, but we do not comprehend, brother and sister. I hear it sometimes when you talk to Christians and, and, and they're afraid and, and all of these things happening around them and you want to say, but didn't Jesus give you a loaf of bread yesterday? Yes, he did. If he gave you one yesterday, he will give you one today. That is faith. So, so the message here is the lack of faith amongst them. He says it there in Matthew. Matthew recalls it so clearly. He says, oh, you of little faith. Now, Mark didn't write it in his account, but that is the crux of the whole message here. You of little faith. You know, I warn you about all of these leaven that came in and leaven is the stuff that destroys the faith. Be careful. Be on the watch out for that. We read his word, but we do not believe it. Come on. We read his word and we do not believe it. The word says so. And then people, they've got their preconceived ideas around that. Oh, that's not really what it means. It means this. So it's not applicable to us. All of these nonsense. We read the word, but we do not believe it. We have experience in his power. Can you honestly tell me and testify that you've experienced the power of God in your life? I have. I know you have. I know when you speak, you wouldn't be sitting where you are sitting today following Christ if His power is not at work in your life. We know this power, but it's not convincing you. Why? Why is it not convincing you? Why is it not that you believe His word? So we know His power, we've experienced it, but it's not convincing you enough to trust in Him. This is what I would say to those disciples. If, if we come to the other side and, and I was there on, on the shore, shoreline, I would have said these words to them. And I said that message on that boat, disciples, which I had to learn from and which I'm still learning from, is that you've heard him. You hear him, but you do not comprehend what he's saying. 
you, you, in our in translation, you read the word of God, but you do not believe it. You experience his power, but you do not, you're not convinced to trust in it. Now, let me just finish by saying this. I'm by far not saying we are better than the disciples. You see, dear friends, we think so often when we read these accounts that if we were there, that we were the better ones, we were going to be the better ones. We would have been part of the group that, that followed Jesus full-heartedly because we read about it now and we go, what? See how dumb you are. Look, look how dumb you are. No, no. If you go and talk to anybody today, the chances that we would have been part of the crowd of disbelievers, of unbelief, is much more than we would have been part of that small group that believe. So what am I saying? Let us hold on to Christ. Believe in Him. When you hear His word, even today through this message, hold on to Him. We're living in difficult times. It is no, there's no doubt about it. I can stand here and I can preach to you everything that's happening in the world, but I do not believe that's what you want from me. I believe you want me to bring you the true word of God. Because that is where we find our strength. That is where we find our faith. That is where we find your understanding. That is where we sit at the feet of Jesus and he comforts us. That is where we find our peace that surpasses our understanding. And that, my dear friends, I don't have to go out and herald that to the world. When I go into the world, I preach the gospel, sometimes with my mouth, sometimes through the, the way I live. But I'm always confident and constantly aware of his presence in my life. So may the Lord bless you. I, um, I believe that the Lord is in control of everything that's happening now. You see, there's so many things we take for granted. One of those things were church for a lot of people. And people would just turn up for church and church is there every day. And I often wondered, you know, what if a person doesn't turn up in church one day? How much is that going to affect you? How much is it going to affect you if somebody doesn't turn up? Or if you turn up one day at the church and the doors are locked and there's nobody there, how will it shake your world? What will the test be in your world? Well, little did I know when I had those thoughts back in the day that here we are. My question to you before we pray is, how are you serving God? Have you gone slower? Has it impacted you or is it only motivating you to serve him more let's pray heavenly father i thank you today for the word your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path and father thank you for this word today help us lord in this time of lockdown lord of isolation thank you lord that you are not isolated from us so we worship and praise you in jesus name amen